In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, you called St. Philip the Evangelist to open his mouth and begin with Scripture, tell the good news of Jesus Christ. By virtue of our baptism, we too are called to work for the salvation of souls. Instill in our hearts the zeal of St. Philip, that we may convert hearts and minds to your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to the St. Philip Institute podcast, where we discuss issues of faith and moral living, and just how to live our faith and teach our faith to those around us, those we encounter, to draw people closer to the heart of God. Uh, today, I am your host, Mickey Seba. Um, I am the catechetical specialist here at the St. Philip Institute, and my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, the director of family life for the Institute. And today, we are going to be talking about the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to be released, but we are currently in week, what is it, two of quarantine? I think two so. and a half, something yeah. like that, with the coronavirus. So again, I don't know when this is going to be released. So some of the things that we might talk about can be related to being closed in at home. Right. Uh, so if we're still in it when this is released, hopefully this is a message of hope and an encouragement to, to live God's mercy and if we just sort of came out of this, praise God for that. And But I still think that this, this is going to be an episode that's going to help us live the love of God in very concrete, practical ways. Definitely. So this is also a, a follow-up episode to one that we did on the divine mercy. So I just want to encourage you to go and look at that uh, sister episode on divine mercy. And so there we talked about we went more into depth on what mercy is. We talked about the devotion to divine mercy in St. Faustina. And then this one is more practical. It's living the works of mercy, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. And that's what we're going to dive into today. But just a little bit of a reminder of what mercy is. Mercy is a special way of loving. It is doing something good for one who is suffering. When we don't have the good that God wants us to have, either in body or soul, we suffer. And mercy is bringing that goodness into the lives of those people who are lacking it in body and soul. Uh, it's about approaching, about seeing and approaching the mercy and bringing the goodness into that life of that person. Exactly, exactly. And I love that our faith is both faith and works. Mm -hmm. And so as we look at the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, like we're reminded James 2.17. So also faith of itself, it doesn't if it does not have works, is dead. It's not enough to just have well wishes for others, but the the corporal and spiritual works of mercy give us an opportunity to unite ourselves with with Christ and put that love into action in a very concrete way. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm glad that you brought that up. And when we were preparing for this episode, that wasn't necessarily a connection that I had or something that I was going to bring up. But Christ in our lives transforms us and changes us to imitate him. Uh, and that's what it means to be holy, exactly. to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And Jesus did things. 
He healed people. He went out into a suffering world and helped them. He helped some in body. He helped all of us in soul right? <laughs> uh, if we accept that. And so I'm so glad that you made that connection, that our love and our relationship with God, it's a natural fruit of our faith to then drive us out into the world exactly to share that with others. Exactly, exactly. And I think we, we mentioned it in the Divine Mercy episode, uh, but the book that we had been reading was Divine Mercy for Moms. And in that, they talk a lot about how these corporal and spiritual works of mercy are things that we do live out in our vocation as mothers. And we're going to speak a lot from our perspective mm-hmm. as, as mothers, but this is something that can be lived out regardless of um, your vocation or state in life. And St. Teresa of Avila has this beautiful uh, quote where she says, Christ has no body on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassionately on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. So all of us, regardless of our state and our vocation, we're an important part of the body of Christ and we're called to go out. Absolutely. That's a beautiful prayer. Maybe we can put that in the show notes. For sure. So people can have that. All right. So what we're going to do is we're just going to dive deep into these works of mercy. We're going to cover the corporal works of mercy and the corporal works of mercy deal with uh, providing for or supplying aid to the material or the physical needs of a person. The spiritual works of mercy provide aid uh, and love to to the soul. And uh, so we're going to start off with the spiritual, or the, I'm sorry, we're going to start off with the corporal works of mercy. So I'm going to list them off, and then we're going to go into each one and sort of share some ideas and thoughts that we have on those. All right, so the seven corporal works of mercy are to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to harbor the harborless or give shelter to the homeless, to visit the sick, to visit the imprisoned, and to bury the dead. So let's start off with the first one, feeding the hungry. (laughs) One of the things I love, and if you have not read this book, um, I highly recommend it, Divine Mercy for Moms. It is phenomenal. And I think it puts things into perspective about how parents and moms can really live this out in our home. Yep. Because God, if you are a parent, (laughs) God blessed you enough with the soul of his child. Mm. And I try to remember that, that this is God's baby, and I better do right by the Lord's son or daughter. Amen. And that carries with it tremendous responsibility. Right. But with that, it's also an incredible blessing that, that God has said, the people that I want you to care for the most, right, that your energy should go into are the ones that I have given in your care right here at this moment. So let's talk about sort of feeding the hungry. And I know we as parents do this, right? All the time. <laughs> Sometimes the I don't time. even have to feed them. Like, my kids right now are at home all day long. <laughs> you would think they haven't eaten for years. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Right? <laughs> They're eating all day. And uh, But anyways, so I have, to, I have to say that meal time is probably one of the most stressful times at my house. Because mm. uh, I just got home from work, helping the kids with their... With their homework or their schoolwork, unpacking their backpacks, emptying out lunch kits, and then I'm like, we have, oh, I don't, I didn't defrost the the right. meat. Right. What are we gonna have? And it can always be a little stressful, at least for me. Uh, but I also want us to look past 
just feeding them physically. Mm. Because I'm preparing in that moment, and that's usually when my frustration is a little higher, I'm preparing to feed their bodies. But I fail to remember that I'm also feeding the person. Yeah. Uh, one of the quotes in this Divine Mercy for Mom said, um, each time, she's preparing a meal, each time I pray over my stove, I'm feeding not only stomachs, but souls. And so something that I had to remind myself when I'm kicking, <coughs> kicking, when I'm uh, cooking, and usually I'm cooking, kicking and screaming because <laughs> the kitchen and I don't have a really great relationship. But, um, but to remember that I am also called to feed my family love and prayer mm. as I'm doing the meals. Like it's really important that as I'm preparing to feed their bodies that I don't um, allow that to distract me from feeding mm. their souls. And I just really love that. And as you make each meal or serve each plate to pray for the person that you give that to, and it could be your children or your spouse or a gift, a guest who's coming into your home. Right. Yeah. But just to remember that yes, we're feeding their bodies, but to also f- feed their bodies with love and prayer exactly. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think they mention it in the book as well. It's tied to the the next one, you know, giving drink to the thirsty. That encouragement or that recognition to approach our children, our family, whomever we're we're serving as we would Christ. If Christ was sitting at the table, we would probably approach him with a lot of reverence and love and patience. Um, (laughs) And I yeah, that's that's such a great reminder because meal times can be can be tense times, mm-hmm. and right now, in the, in the midst of what's going on in the world, a lot of us are spending a lot more time at home, which is great. That is such a it that is a blessing that I think is really coming out of the the situation that we're in right now. But in a very concrete way, I think it's making us more aware of living that out of how mm-hmm. I feed my children, how I how I give to the thirsty for the millionth time, even though they just had fruit snacks. They <laughs> <laughs> want something else. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things, too, in, and I would say it is important to figure out and to discern and to pray about how to bring these works of mercy into your home, to the, those who are immediately placed in your care. But to also consider how you or your family as a whole can also do these works of mercy outside as well. And right now, that's kind of hard right. <laughs> for us because right. we're supposed to right. reduce that amount of social contact. Right. We're not six feet apart, Mickey. But I know. We'll scoot. <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things uh, that we did one summer, it was after we actually, I did a mom study on this divine mercy of moms. I'm sorry, a book study with moms on Divine Mercy for Moms. And one of the things we decided to do was we had each uh, family bring some sort of item to put in like a blessing bag. Nice. It's a Ziploc bag, a large one, that you fill with a water bottle, granola bars, you know, whatever, uh, toiletries, and we just had them in our car uh, because we lived in an area where we would – passed by you know, people on the streets asking for money or food. And so it was so easy to take those pre-made blessing bags and just Have give it, to go. pass them out the window. And my kids loved it. So we as a family had such a great time just putting these things together. And then we just left them in our car. And then we had that. And it was something that my children really took to that 
they really enjoyed that. So I recommend that when time allows, right, uh, and supplies allow to stock up on some of the things and make it a family thing or invite other families into your home to make these sort of blessing bags um, to be able to be passed out. Very good. So I know we talked a little bit too about um, giving drink to the thirsty, but I do want to touch on that a little bit. One of the thoughts that came to my mind is I am a huge fan of Mother Teresa. She has been one of my favorite for since I was in high school, Mm -hmm. which is a long time ago. And in every chapel of the Missionaries of Charity, right by the crucifix, she has the words, I thirst on there. And these were the words that were said by Jesus on Good Friday when he's hanging from the cross, uh, that not only was he thirsting for water, but he was thirsting. So two meanings, like he's thirsting for our love. Um, and he desires to feed our thirst mm. and or to satiate our thirst. And so whenever my kids ask for water, they want water at some of the most inconvenient times. <laughs> I don't know if this is your experience, yep. but yep. everyone already has all of their meal. You're at the table and you finally sit down and they're like, can I have some water? Yep. And so that was the last thing they want to do is right. to get up and get water. Right. Or right when we got them all into bed. Yep, that's, that's us. <laughs> bedtime (laughs) but i'm thirsty and for some reason this those words and maybe it's because i've studied mother Teresa for a while and i just i love her is that when i hear my kids say i'm thirsty i know they're just saying i'm thirsty for water but i also try to think about it that they're my kids and i can satisfy their cry for water but it also satisfies that deep desire that they have for love Mm -hmm. and my kids and my husband are old enough to get water. And sometimes I'm like, nope, you're old enough to get it for yourself, you know. But I, sometimes when the thought of I thirst, those words of Christ come to my mind, I'm like, I can do this. And for me, it's a spiritual thing of reminding myself that we are called to to quench the thirst of Jesus. Amen. So just a little tidbit there. All right, so we did... Uh, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked. This one, I I thought about the laundry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the laundry never ends. It's a cross. Ever ends. And one of the things that we can do as parents is when we're doing the laundry, because sometimes that can be the task that just gets... It's never-ending It's never-ending and yeah. it's sometimes put off. I think there might be three baskets of un- they're clean but unfolded only three Ra- that's, good. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> they're heaping though uh and sometimes that can just you're just tired and after everything else yeah the last thing i want to do is do laundry um, but as i'm doing it one of the things that i try to do is as i'm folding again to pray for each that's person really who's going to be wearing that piece of clothing yeah um yeah, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful, and it's funny because I I didn't even think of laundry, but now I will I will rethink <laughs> how I approach my mini <laughs> baskets of of unfolded laundry, and um when we think uh, as far as like outside the house, uh we we are all blessed to have so much, mm-hmm. and I know I I look in my kids' closets like why do you have 15 pairs of shoes um and it's an it's an opportunity to look at okay who could I bless 
mm-hmm. with with this overabundance that that we might have, or, or we we have very generous grandparents, <laughs> so we have lots of Zulily clothes and, and things like that. Uh, but it's an opportunity to grow in detachment from stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I can think like, well, I need to save it for for we have two girls and two boys. I got to save it. I got to save for either the next kid or a future Johnston babies. Uh, but to to detach ourselves from stuff and to really discern how could this be a blessing to someone else and not the ratty clothes or the things that are torn up or stained, but how this thing that we, we really like, how can I, how can it bless somebody else? Yeah. Now would be a really great time mm-hmm. if you're stuck at home to do that closet clean out that you've wanted to do for exactly. some time. <laughs> Uh, and one of the things, too, is to just fast a little bit or uh, detach from buying certain things. And whatever money you would have saved, use that to donate to people right. um, or to give to people who need that. All right, so corporal work of mercy number four, to shelter the homeless. One of the things that was mentioned in the book was that, yes, we provide a shelter for our children. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to make our house a spiritual shelter as well. And I guess I just never thought of it that way. That all of, so for our spouses and our children, it should be sort of a sacred place, a retreat place um, that feeds their soul. But also for all of those who enter Mm. your home, Mm -hmm. that they can learn and hopefully encounter the love of Christ right. in your home. Right. And I really like that connection of making your house a spiritual shelter mm. and not just a physical shelter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So number five, um, visit the sick. I just want to preface this by saying I think it's really important to pray for all of those who are suffering during this time of, of illness. Um, I just read a story about how there are some who are isolated in their suffering mm-hmm. who got corona and are in hospitals mm-hmm. and because of restrictions on visitors. Right. Um, right. So just to, to pray for all of those who are suffering in body at mm-hmm. this time. And one of the things, so you can do that um, obviously by yourself and with your children, but one of the things is that to teach your kids how to take care of family members who are sick in the house. Because sometimes it, when we get sick, it's an inconvenience to us and an inconvenience to the other, those around us because we kind of have to shift schedules. Right. And allowing those in your home who are healthy to serve those who are sick. So whether it's, okay, can you get a glass of water ready for dad so I can bring it into the room so he can have something to drink? Or do you want to help me make soup? But it's sort of bringing them into learning what it is to take care yeah. of someone who's yeah. not well. And that's such a beautiful lesson to, to watch your children learn. I remember when, usually when, I, when I'm coming back from the hospital after having a baby, uh, or I have had the stomach bug or, or something, it's been really beautiful to see how my oldest 
has been really attentive to to mom's needs. Like, mom, can I get you something? Like, here's a so glass sweet. of water, and it may not be perfect, or there might be a floaty in there or something. <laughs> but but it's this this act of love and just knowing that they're picking up on that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. from the way that that my husband and I care for each other, or, or other folks have have cared for our family. But that is a really beautiful gem to see, or or fruit to to see blossom in your children that they that they are taking the love that we're giving them and putting it into practice with yeah. other people. Yeah. All right. So the sixth one is to visit the imprisoned. And I know this is really hard for families to do. Like prison ministry is not necessarily family ministry. Right. <laughs> but one of the things that we can do is to pray for all of those who are in prison and especially to pray for the priest and those ministers who minister to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember reading, my daughter had this, they were studying the corporal works of mercy at school and it had all of these corporal works and then a little blank by each one of them where they could write what they could do. And so for, you know, clothe the naked, um, clean out my closet. For, uh, for I think, for visit the imprisoned, she just said, let them free. <laughs> and I have a picture of it because I just, it's hanging on her wall. I just thought it was really cute. But, um, <laughs> But I just thought that was funny. But we can't necessarily... I mean, if you feel called to ministry, prison ministry, if you've Mm -hmm. never prayed about it, I mean, you could. Uh, But not all of us are going to be called to that. So what can we do? And so I would absolutely say to pray um, pray for priests. Maybe even have um, a prison chaplain come to your house and kind of teach your kids and your family sort of what they do, just right. sort of raises awareness of what's involved in that sort of ministry. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Did you have another one for no. that? Uh, the In the Divine Mercy for Moms book, one of the things that they also mention with visiting the imprisoned is to be a compassionate listener. Sometimes people mm. are, are very much imprisoned in their own personal sufferings or – uh, just their previous experiences, and sometimes just listening to others can be a great gift, mm-hmm. uh, or walking alongside um, others. And, and that word compassion, to suffer with another, and just that simple act of uh, being present to another person is can be a really beautiful thing. And right now we're all supposed to be kind of at home mm-hmm. and together, and it can maybe feel a little bit like an imprisonment, but to be there together um, and with love. Yeah. And the great thing too about with technology is that we Mm. have the ability to do that and to reach out to people. And as I'm going through my day, if there's someone who comes to mind, I've tried to stop what I'm doing and just text them like, hey, Mm. how you doing? Because it can feel like we are uh, restrained in ways that we haven't really right. been so up until right. this point. And that can be a lot for people. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for me to handle, <laughs> uh, but a lot for a lot of people to handle. And so um, to con- like that presence, even if we mm. can't be physically present, um, but those, those messages or yeah. there's so many people connecting online now, mm-hmm. which is really kind of a beautiful thing to see people being creative yeah. on how to connect with loved ones and those in the world. Exactly, exactly. All right, so the last one, the last corporal work of mercy is to bury the dead. Um, I heard a really great homily years and years ago by a priest who was talking about this work of mercy. And one of the, the things that he said is that 
As Catholics who believe in the communion of saints, we do have an obligation to pray for our brothers and sisters who have died. We pray it at every Mass. Mm -hmm. We pray for those who have died. And a funeral Mass is such an amazing moment for our prayers for the for the person who has died. Mm. And he said, even if you don't know the person, go to a funeral mass. Because as Catholics, we believe that our prayers, that God does incredible things with our prayers for the person who has passed away. And our presence can also provide comfort to those who are mourning the loss of a loved one. Um, but yeah, if you can, just go to a funeral mass. And I know as parents, sometimes that's hard because with kids, we're like, oh, when do, when do we introduce yeah. the idea of of death to our children right. and how do we talk? And that may be a whole different episode we need to cover at some right. point, sort of dealing with those questions. But I think it is important for our kids to know, like, our power, our prayers are powerful. Exactly. And that we are called to, to pray for our brothers and sisters um, because we don't know where they are, mm-hmm. right? And if they're in purgatory, to pray for those mm-hmm. that we believe that they help someone on their journey to heaven. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think this one also speaks to the power of, of our presence uh, that, or that ministry of presence. Just simply attending a wake or a funeral mm-hmm. or a burial service. I know that there have been times where I've, or when I was younger and it was time to go to a funeral. It's like, but I, done, I didn't know the person. Why do I have to, why do I have to go? to be that presence, to be, uh, to be that, I don't know, like that almost like in, in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Christ in their, in their time of mourning, but also, as you said, to pray for, for this person, uh, that will hopefully be united with Christ Mm -hmm. for eternity. Uh, and one of the, before we sort of end this, so those were the seven corporal works of mercy. Again, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, um, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. These are incredibly important. I mean, Jesus even talks about it in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 25. Just a little summary. He's talking about the judgment of nations, and he basically says, I will separate. The sheep and the goats will be separated. Mm-hmm. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left, and you don't want to be a goat. Right. You want to be a sheep. You want to be a sheep. <laughs> you want to be a sheep. And he, um, they're asking, like, why are we separated like this? And he says, um, if you, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Sick and you visited me. In prison and you came to me. And then the righteous, the sheep said, when did we do that? And he said, whatever you did to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Mm. And just keeping that last verse, what you did to the least of these, you did to me, Mm. I think is a powerful reminder of how we treat our spouse, of how we treat our children, uh, and then those around us. Because I think sometimes, and I don't know, for me, it's a personal confession, I can be the most negligent to the people in my own home. Or that's where... Um, I can hold it together at work if I'm upset, or I can hold it together mm-hmm. somewhere else. But when I'm at home, it's almost as if yeah, I can be really human at <laughs> yeah. home. I, I like that human. very human at home. <laughs> very human. But to remember that what we do to these these little ones, especially our children, we do to Christ. Right. And right. I, for me, that has been something 
to just keep at the forefront of my mind. Definitely. And this is a time of building up the domestic church, uh, because I think initially we can look at this list and say like, oh, well, I don't have time to go to a soup kitchen or I don't have time to uh, go to a homeless shelter or attend a bunch of funerals or, or things like that. But recognizing that I am called to serve my domestic church first. Mm -hmm. That is my primary vocation. And there can be this temptation in ministry to focus all on, okay, what am I doing for for those people? Mm Because that's my job or it's something that I really love volunteering to do. But if I'm not doing these works of mercy with my own family, then it's, it's, pointless really yeah. it's it's it, it loses its um it loses its uh impact I yeah guess. yeah yeah all right anything else to say about the corporal works of mercy i think that's it all right we keep looking over there because little <laughs> little leo was sleeping in the studio, <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> all right so let's move to the spiritual works of mercy i think these are much harder to put into practice yeah and they are intended to bring about a greater goodness in the soul that is lacking. Uh, we suffer when our souls lack the spiritual good God mm. wants for it. Mm-hmm. And I find these much more difficult to practice. One, because they require a lot more intentionality and time. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to get a drink of water to someone, like turn on the go. faucet, yeah. here's the water, here you go. It can take minimal time, but... These take a little bit more time and a little bit more spiritual health on our part in order to do these well. So the spiritual works of mercy are to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. So we will just start going through them. Um, I think I went a little out of order, but to counsel the doubtful. In order to do that, you have to work on not being doubtful yourself. And it's almost like going to, I'm not going to seek counsel from somebody on financial health if their financial life is like not together, right? And so to counsel the doubtful, we need to know who our hope is in. Amen. uh, To trust in God. And so some of the things that I'm going to mention kind of deal with our own the place of our where we are in our soul, mm-hmm. uh, because we can't give what we don't have. Amen. So for this one, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, um, Jesus says, Therefore, and this is also really great for the time that we're going through right now. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, mm. what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then he ends it with, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. So just when there are, and right now there's a lot of doubts, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of worry sort of floating around there. So I think doing our best to get a handle on that ourselves Mm. is really important Mm. because if I'm panicked, my kids are going to be panicked. If I'm worried, 
they're not going to come and be like, mom, what do I do? And I'm like, I'm freaking out. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really important to keep that in mind. And one of the things that I want to point out too, in this chapter, um, Matthew chapter six, before he gets to this point of don't be anxious, he, it starts off with talking about almsgiving, fasting, prayer, making sure we store up our treasure in heaven, not on earth. So all of these, th- and to, that we can't serve both God and mammon. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he's prepping people before he says, don't be anxious, but he's prepped them with, okay, but these spiritual exercises are really important right. and all right. and doing those things allow us to open our hearts more to him so that we can trust. Amen. Because worry, worry can come. When we don't for trust. For sure, for sure. I'm so glad that you read that from uh, Matthew 6.25 because that's such a powerful message for mm-hmm. us right now and what we're living in and whatever the situation is, you know, when this when this episode airs, but it can be so easy to fall into anxiety and to worry about, you know, where's the toilet paper coming from? <laughs> what am I going to feed my family? How am I going to finish, you know, homeschooling my kids? Because this is a, a very, we're very much out of our comfort zones mm-hmm. right now. Um, and it's, it's really easy to just get worried and caught up in that worry. So as we're you know, sharing this message of counseling the doubtful, really just seeing how that is tied to the even just the image of divine mercy and that that phrase at the bottom of the image, Jesus, I trust in mm-hmm. you, how powerful that is, especially right now, that we don't know necessarily what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going on, uh, but that God is trustworthy. And, yeah. and that's how we counsel the doubtful is we remind people of God's God's mercy, that God is trustworthy, but we cling to that ourselves too, because mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. You can't you can't teach what you don't know. And if we're not resting in in that promise of God's uh, mercy, it's gonna be hard for us to communicate that to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And that segue is really good into the next spiritual work of mercy, which is to instruct the ignorant. Uh in the, meaning those who just don't know, haven't heard the truth or need to be reminded of the truth and mm-hmm. how to do that. And our homes can be, um, well, it's the domestic church. Mm-hmm. It is the first time, the first place that our kids will hear the gospel of Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, it's the place that they should see it lived out, a school of mercy. Mm-hmm. And we do, we are called, all of us who have been baptized, are called to be disciples to instruct others in the way of his truth. And this involves a lot of leading by example, mm-hmm. of educating ourselves so that we have, like you said, we can't give what we don't have. We can't teach what we don't know. So to educate ourselves, to grow ourselves, so that we can be um, leading by example and sharing the truth of Christ and his church with others. And I just want to spend a little bit of time on the the role parents have with their own children. Uh, Everything that they know, they learned from somewhere, from somebody, or from something. And for parents to understand the power that we have and the control that we have to create um, a fertile environment for our kids to produce good fruit Mm -hmm. and to not waste our time in our home or with what we do, or with what we allow to influence our children. 
that um, they are blank slates and they pick up on lots of things. And so just creating that culture in the home where we can teach our kids. And so one of the best ways, I think, especially for little kids, is to read scripture to them. Uh, If you have story time, right? Start off with Bible stories, saint stories, stories that have good morals to them so Mm -hmm. that you can talk about that with your kids. Mm -hmm. One of the things we do in our car is we um, will listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. and saint stories. They're called glory stories. My kids are really like that. You can pray the rosary in your car. You can. There's so many times when you have access to your kids and they can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. One of them is in the car. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And how do you use that time? Uh, one of the things that you can do, even like with adults too, is there are a wealth of Catholic books and resources and articles and podcasts right. that a really easy way to instruct the ignorant is to just share. Yeah. Drop off a book, share our podcast right. or other podcasts, and and lend those resources to people who don't know or are inquiring. Absolutely. And I really like that verse from, is it 1 Peter 3.15? Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. And be a person of hope. (laughs) Be a person who can articulate, why are you Catholic? If Mm -hmm. you've never thought about that before, why are you Catholic? Um, And why do you continue to to practice that faith in the midst of times like this when Mm -hmm. there is a lot of uncertainty? Or, you know, we see the, the flawed... Um, humanity in the church as well, and that that can be a turnoff to people. Uh, but being able to speak to the truth and beauty um, of our faith, and you know, thinking about, I think we all know someone who would call themselves uh, someone who grew up Catholic, but maybe mm-hmm. no longer practicing the faith. And maybe to pray about how is God calling you to minister to that person. Um, it may not be, you know, giving them, you know, this full-blown course on apologetics or <laughs> being able to defend your faith articul- uh, articulately, <laughs> um, but to be able to uh, to to live to live as a disciple of Christ, right? To to just be an example because sometimes that can be the most powerful witness in mm-hmm. inviting people back to the church is just living your faith and, yep. and being that holy example. Yep. And the, the third spiritual worker mercy I actually find to be the hardest, uh, which is admonish the sinner. Uh, we are, we are called to speak to others about the truth of God. Mm. We are called to speak to others about sinful behavior because sinful behavior is detrimental to our relationship with Jesus. And the reason this is an act of mercy is because it's trying to help someone see that something that they're doing is actually harming their relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I know sometimes people can get really hesitant because they're like, who am I to judge? Or I can't judge people. Well, we can't judge uh, where they're going. Mm -hmm. That's God, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The intentions of their heart But we can say, and we do this all the time with our kids, Mm -hmm. that this behavior is not in accord with the teachings of our house. I mean, we may not say it that way, but but as Catholics, there are tenets of the faith that we are obligated to believe and to follow because they are beautiful, Mm -hmm. because they are God's truth. And we have an obligation to share that with charity and with clarity how it's harmful to our relationship with God. Yes. 
But the important thing about admonishing the sinner is I have found in my experience that it does not go well if you do not have a relationship with the person that you're speaking to. Good point. So uh, I do want to talk, I spend a little bit of time talking about how we discipline our children, like mm-hmm. admonishing the sinners in our home. Uh one of the tips that was in the book was say no more than what needs to be said. Mm. And I have that in bold mm. and underlined because sometimes that is not what I do. Right. I tend to say way too much and it's emotional, right. you know, venting right. to my small Same children. Here. So say no more than what needs to be said. It's important to not be too hard or too soft, mm-hmm. uh, being clear with these are our obligations. These are the expectations. Right. These are the teachings. But when we admonish or reprimand, that we constantly remind our children of their duties and obligations to God, to their family, and to others. Yes. And uh, I think that sometimes we can get too comfortable pointing out our sin. Our, other people's uh, sins. Well, and especially our children. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to, and like talking to them about it, or mm-hmm. I, know, I hate to say punishing, but disciplining them yeah. for ways that they have fallen short, we can get too comfortable with that with our kids mm-hmm. um, and too uncomfortable with that with other people, yeah. like our peers or family members. I think that that is one of the hardest places, at least I have found, yeah. where where does admonishing the sinner with a peer of mine or... A family member, you know, someone who's yeah. not my child. Yeah, yeah. And it, as you're saying all of that, one thing that just came to mind is the role of godparents. Mm. And uh, when Leo was baptized, my dad uh, baptized Leo, and in his little homily during the the baptism, he looked at at my husband and I and the godparents and said, "Your job is to keep Leo out of hell." I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's very direct and to the point. But that that really is our, our job is to make sure that, that our children become saints mm-hmm. and choosing godparents that are going to support us in that role and to be able to call us out as parents if we're not living up to the expectations yep. that, that are in place for us, that we want our children to become saints. And so to have good godparents to support us and, and making sure. And if they got to admonish the sinner, then... <laughs> So be, be it. it. Yeah, that's their that's their role. Yeah. All right. So the next spiritual work of mercy is comfort the afflicted. Mm. We all go through moments of sorrow, of pain, of suffering, and when we see that other people are going through those moments, uh, we are called to provide comfort. Uh, but knowing and being aware of the suffering of others does require us to be disconnected from self. Yeah. Uh, We're so connected to um, technology and maybe other things that are going Mm -hmm. on, but the people who are right here who need it, and I think sometimes it it clouds our vision and we're not able to just broaden our horizons and really look for who are the suffering among uh, among us and how am I called to comfort those people. And right now, being in quarantine, uh, you know, it's hard to do that. Right. But actually, not really. It's hard to phys- I mean, like physically, you can, yeah, like be there like this. Right. But we can call people, write letters, emails, messages, Absolutely. FaceTime. I mean, there's so many things that we can do to reach out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and one of the things too that has been really beautiful to see is people helping their neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're elderly mm-hmm. neighbors or somehow can't get out. Like they'll yeah. go to the store and then just leave things by their door. And then yeah. those are things that we 
can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that I, I thought of uh, in reading this, Comforting the, the Afflicted, and they mentioned this in the book, is acknowledging those who have suffered miscarriage. And that can be kind of an, it can be a challenging thing for folks who, who haven't experienced it or just knowing like, well, how do I reach out to this mm-hmm. person? But just speaking from personal experience, when we went through um, our miscarriage in December of 2015, um, one of the things that was most meaningful to us, I, like we had, we had friends that would reach out to us and, you know, we're so sorry, we're praying for you. And we appreciated that. But I, I can think of a few people in particular who sat with me and just listened to me mm-hmm. vent that I was mad at God and I was angry about the situation and I just needed to get that out. Mm-hmm. And they weren't like, oh, well, you shouldn't be mad at God or, or trying to explain it away, like why the, the situation had happened. But they really were a presence to me. Yeah. And they prayed with me, like in the moment. They didn't just tell me, you know, we will pray for you, but they, they took a moment to just pray over Michael and I. And that was so, so powerful. And so being able to offer things like that, or even just simple, if, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, sitting with people in that, offering meals or prayers, but having that that more personal contact yeah. that's that's really powerful yeah it goes a long way all right the next corporal work of mercy is forgiving offenses uh forgiving those offenses willingly mm. <laughs> our kids are gonna hurt us yeah. our spouses are gonna hurt us yeah. so how do we respond mm. and i think that's a question too and i already know the ways that i respond that are not good and not healthy and mm. not holy and i'm trying really really hard to work on that so, um, you know, not holding grudges um, and not allowing sort of the anger to sort of build up or the frustration yeah. to build up to where uh, our reaction is something yeah. that could cause harm by what we say or how mm-hmm. we act to our yeah. kids. And um, so I would say three ways that we need to practice this forgiveness bit is first we need to ask for forgiveness when we have done something wrong. Like we as parents, we're going to fail and we're not going to do things right. And for us to tell our kids, I'm sorry. You made a mistake. And for us to tell yeah. our spouses, I messed up. I yeah. taken responsibility yeah. for what we did and what we did wrong. Offering forgiveness for those who have hurt us and when they, whether or not they say they're sorry, right. being able to to still forgive. And then also, this is something I have found with moms is I think we're way too hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So learning to forgive ourselves for our own failings as moms. Yes, we should be accountable. Yes, we should be striving towards holiness. But to be forgiving of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And this requires humility. (laughs) Great humility. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. And one of the things too that that I've tried to try to do is um, is to remind myself, like when Jesus was on the cross and he was suffering one of the greatest injustices that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. He says, "Father, forgive them; they know not what they do." Mm. And just keep that in my mind, and then just to rely on the sacrament of confession when we've messed up, and to bring your whole family, even if your kids aren't of reconciliation age. Mm-hmm. They can sit in the pew for a few minutes while y'all take turns going into the yeah. confessional. It's good for them to see this practice Absolutely. of asking for forgiveness yep. and re- repentance. All right, so two more to go. Uh, the sixth one is to bear wrongs patiently. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> 
That one's hard. Struggle is real. It is real. Struggle is real. Uh, Because there's distractions in life, and we have our plan. And I'm sure some of us are living that out right now, right? Mm -hmm. We had a plan, and our whole schedule has been drastically interrupted. So interruptions, distractions, inconveniences, Mm -hmm. or complete change of something that we weren't Mm -hmm. even prepared for, that can cause a lot of... Right. Chaos or discord in the soul. Right. And that's where it's so important to rely on the grace that comes from God that and the grace that comes from the sacraments for us to be able to to live this out. Because there are moments where it's like, how am I how am I supposed to love you in this moment? Or (laughs) our children are just yeah, they just really um, know how to press that particular button. Mm-hmm. Um, my my son has a particular pitch that he can hit with his tantrums that just really he knows how to get under our skin. Um, but to really think before we react, because I, I, I know I fall into this, just being very reactionary and mm-hmm. not um, assuming the best in either my children or my spouse even. Yeah. That, that they're not doing this because they hate my guts. <laughs> it's because they're human. Right. Yeah. And one of the best advice I have, because I already know those areas where I lose control of my patients. Mm. Uh, and there's so the, those key moments, dinner time is one of them. Or when I'm getting to a certain point where I'm overwhelmed with work or yeah. schooling my kids. And I know those times in my life when that's the case. And I had a priest in confession one time tell me, do an examination in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, these are the days when, or these are the, the times in my day when I, when my patience is wearing thin. Right. So to be aware of that. And then in the evening, a quick examination of conscience. How did I deal with those moments? And that has been something that's really been helpful to me yeah. as well. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. The last one is to pray for the living and the dead. I know we talked a lot about this when we talked about burying the dead, but just to remind people that we are part of the communion of saints, Mm -hmm. the saints in heaven, um, those people in purgatory, us here on earth who are striving to be in union with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are a family bonded throughout all of time to the love of Jesus. And that is powerful. So to not forget that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, the, our church family who are in need of prayer. Yes. Uh, and for us to never forget that and to be assured of their prayers for us Amen. and to just keep that constant communication of prayer with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And to offer things like, you know, having a, a mass said for someone, mm-hmm. doing a spiritual bouquet. That's something that I grew up doing uh, where you, you offer, you know, five Hail Marys, six Our Fathers and letting the person know. And it's, that can be a great gift for our priests uh, too, is, you know, just offering prayers that that were with them and yeah absolutely All right well I know that I mean we've covered 14 works of mercy right. in this hour uh and graced by the presence of little Leo here <laughs> and so I know that there's a lot we try to make it very practical or give some mm-hmm. advice but just know that the works of mercy Yes, it's good to know them, but it's so important to live them out. Right. So right. now right. it's time for like our Into the Chariot where we give you a bit of homework. Mm-hmm. We've gone through a lot today. Mm-hmm. And what I recommend is that you pick one. If you try to do all of the works of mercy, it might be a little overwhelming. But maybe just to pick one that speaks to your heart. 
or those things that you already have to do in the home, like feeding your yeah. kids, um, you know, feeding, taking care of their bodily needs, right. and also because those are things. I mean, really, these are things that we do all almost the time. We are all the time, constantly clothing the naked. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we are. Right, and so uh, try to ad- adopt that that mind the way that we think about it or our perspective yeah. and how we live these out. Like being intentional yes. with living the corporal and spiritual works mm-hmm. of mercy. Because Jesus didn't heal people and feed them with an angry heart. There you go. You know? And so I think it's really important. So that would be my into the chariot. It's just think of the attitude to which you carry out the things that you already do. Mm-hmm. And then to, to look at the works of mercy and maybe pick one that you want to be more intentional Mm -hmm. at improving upon or incorporating into your life. That sounds good. And my end to the chariot would simply be to pray the chaplet of divine mercy. If you're not doing it already, just make that part of your day and just asking for that grace to live these works of mercy in your domestic church and out in the world. And before we close, um, I do want to say that I want people to know that we are praying for them during this time and all of us are struggling and experiencing some sort of suffering and to be assured of our prayers for you, Mm -hmm. our bishop's prayers for you. And uh, we want you to stay connected. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, check out our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. We've had a lot of really good content come out from Bishop Strickland, Dr. Stacey Trisenkos, um, the other podcasts. Uh, just looking at our, our YouTube channel, really, and just <laughs> have at it. Yeah. <laughs> really ab- absorb all the, the goodness that's, that's hopefully coming from uh, the Institute right now. And, and as we seek to accompany people in this uh, new chapter or this uh, this adventure that God has us in right now, um, please let us know what other types of episodes you'd like to hear mm-hmm. from us. You can email us at podcast at stphilipinstitute.org. We really do want to hear your feedback. Um, rate us on iTunes so that we, we can get feedback from you, but also it helps us to uh, get out uh, into to other people's suggested podcasts, the mm-hmm. more uh, rates we get. And uh, to visit our website, stphilipinstitute.org, because uh, there are an increasing number of, of resources and, and videos that we can offer people. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Deanna. Thank, thank you, you Leo, for joining us. <laughs> uh, and now we will just end with an apostolic blessing from our bishop. The Lord be with you, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.